Hey, Sci-Fi fans, this is Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. Tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 71, and we are here at the diner welcoming you back. Thank you for joining us. It feels like forever, but it's only been about two weeks. My name is Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts here at the diner. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And uh, Miles is joining us from the remote villages of Gap, right? That is true. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you, man, you're working on a new job. Well, it's not a new job, but it's a new time slot. How's that going for you, Miles? It's still a period of adjustment and transition. Let's just let's just call it that for now. Yeah, and there are many other words I'm sure you could use to describe working third shift after being day shift all these years. That is true. <laughs> but I'm work- that, so that's good. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and you work in this economy. That is good. That's for sure. We have a, a friend of ours with us, and I feel like he's a friend, even though we've only kind of hung out a few times. It's been, uh, it is really good right now to have with us John Frazier, our phrase. Is that how do you say it? Fraz? Freeze? Phrase? You, you, you call me Frazier. 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 It's that z sound that's getting me. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, we mentioned him incorrectly pronouncing his name in the past couple of shows um, that we <laughs> we talked about him. But uh, welcome to the show, John. Thanks very much, guys. And uh, we are excited to have you and uh, to have you be a part of it. Well, John, we met you. Uh, what was it? It was at the uh, I was going to say Far Point, but we're talking at the uh, Shore Leave Convention. Yeah, so, it was Shore Leave 32 or yeah, was it, was 32? Thir- it was 32. Thirty-two, yeah. and that was um, so back the beginning of July. So it's been a little over a month. Wow, it seems like it seems like yesterday, but time's just flown by. Yeah, it was probably one of the best cons I've been to. Um, well, at least in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many cons do you go to a year? Uh, I try to go. I try to hit uh, two or three. Um, this past year, well, I guess that was a cheat because uh, I haven't actually been to a con in about a year. Uh, <laughs> the previous years, I've been to uh, the Shirley 31, obviously, and I've been to uh, uh, Creation Parsippany. Um, I try to uh, I try to head up to uh, San Diego or New York or Chicago for Comic Con, but uh, it's been kind of a lean year this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with the economy and all, especially, it makes it a little bit more difficult to get to travel to get to cons. So totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, then it was the best con in about a year. We had a great time at that con. I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed was sitting down, having a chance to sit down and chat with you at the bar that one night was just really cool. Yeah, it's amazing when you could just sit down with someone whom you've just met and just talk for about three, I think it was like three and a half hours, and then suddenly it was 1 a.m. and we didn't even realize. And, and <laughs> right. The other, the other con goers are just like, oh, i got to go back to my room. I'm kind of tired. And we're like, what? It's 1? <laughs> 
Oh man, I think I think I realized when Kevin Dilmore came and uh, finally came up from his author signing and realized it was one o'clock in the morning. We have to drive. Yeah, we were like, yeah, I was certain he was going to drink us under the table. Yeah, well, he probably did if we would have stayed long enough. Certainly. <laughs> so, oh, but yeah. So let's let's introduce people to you a little bit, John. So uh, who is who is John Fries? 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 John Fraser. Um, <laughs> I guess you could uh, define me most uh, or identify me best as one of the buyers at thinkgeek.com. I, I go out on the, on the interwebs and I try to find really cool swag uh, that I think, I think sci-fi fans and fantasy fans and just uh, computer nerds everywhere are going to want. Uh, try to get it cheap so I can bring it in and sell it so you, uh, you guys can, uh, can enjoy some of, the, some of the cool stuff I find. It's probably the best job I've ever had in my life. I mean, how, how exciting! You go out and you're looking for stuff that's geeky, that geeks are gonna yep. like. Yep. <laughs> Basically, it's sort of like uh, I shop for myself. It's like uh, it's like Dad giving me his credit card and saying, "Just you know, buy yourself something nice." And because uh, most of the stuff that I find that ends up on the site is stuff that I want for myself anyway. So if I like it, I have a pretty good idea. You guys are gonna like it. Oh, very cool, Miles. Did and you know something you were saying? Go ahead. Um, yeah, you hooked up. You hooked us up with some cool stuff uh, at the uh, convention. That um, that Klingon battle cruiser uh, wine bottle opener. I mean, that, that's uh, um, where else can you get that? Actually, nowhere. Uh, we think Geek has the uh, has the US exclusive for that, so you cannot buy the uh, Klingon corkscrew anywhere but Think Geek. Very cool. That's good. And, and that little uh, ball thing you gave us, or that thing made out of bullets or BBs? Yeah, lucky balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife stole it. I haven't seen it since. So. Yeah, Bucky Balls are our number one seller right now. Uh, are you serious? I'm serious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So explain that. I mean, people, what, what are Monkey Balls? Um, did I say Monkey Balls? I meant uh, Bucky Balls. Bucky Balls. Bucky right. Balls, like Bucky Buckminster, balls. Yeah, oh, yeah. Buckminster Fuller. Okay. Uh, so um, although they're not really made out of carbon, but basically they're little chromed BBs that are magnetic. So they uh, they stick to each other in very specific geometric ways. And you can make uh, little desktop toys out of them. Um, they're little fidget toys for executives. If you're, say, you're on the, on a long conference call or sitting in a conference room just talking to boring people or on a podcast, and you want to just play with your hands, you know, you just grab your buckyballs and just start making little things. Uh, we've gotten photos from customers who've made jewelry out of them, like little necklaces, little bracelets, little uh, rings. Um, I've seen people use the little BBs and stick photos up on their fridge. I mean, something as mundane as that is fantastic. There's something like 230-some beads uh, in a set, and you can make all kinds of really cool geometric shapes. Very cool. Well, what, uh, what are some of the uh, – what are some of the – so that's your top seller. Any other products that are really awesome for you guys right now that are doing real well for you? Uh, there are two things that I can mention. The first thing um, is my personal favorite product that we sell, which is the Think Geek Bag of Holding. If anybody out there plays D&D, there's an old uh, – there's an old artifact you can find called a bag of holding that's supposed to be sort of a black hole in canvas form. Anything you throw in there, uh, the bag will never get heavier than that. The bag will never get bigger. You can just throw everything you ever could imagine in that thing. And so with that in mind, we built this really great canvas uh, laptop bag. It's got like five or six different pockets in it. You can hold an, a, an enormous amount of stuff. You can hold a 17-inch laptop Three like college size, like real college size textbooks, your your uh, pencils, your pens, your iPhone, uh, chargers, cables, everything you can imagine, and and cram it into this bag, and it's and it's can still hold even more. It's it's amazing, and it's branded the bag of holding. Another one of those things you can only get a thinky. 
Oh, I like cool. that one personally because I designed it. So I, I kind of am, am attached to that one. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So not only do you buy, you design. Yeah, yeah. From time to time, we uh, we have a group in, internally called Geek Labs. And all they do is they think up uh, what what is out there or what isn't. What is not out there that people want that we can make? And so we put something together and we and we build it. Now, do you get a lot of suggestions from people who are not a part of thinking? Say, hey, do you guys do this or could you make this? We get tons of suggestions. We love them because some of the sometimes we get some amazing suggestions. Um, uh, we've got some that I can't really talk about, but uh, <laughs> one of, one of the other top things that we that we make that uh, it gets a lot of attention is the uh, Tauntaun sleeping bag. Do you guys hear about that? Oh thing? yeah, yeah. That that came out as an April Fool's gag that got the attention of Lucas, and uh, and we said, you know, hey, you know, we're we can make this if you want, um, and uh, they said, yeah, if you guys can make it, we'll approve it. And I think we lost Miles. Yeah, we did. But uh, okay. Um, but um, yeah, once Lucas approved it, uh, suddenly we got we got uh, approached from other entities that wanted some licensed cool product. They said, "Can you can you make us the next Tauntaun sleeping bag?" And uh, so now you know it opened doors with uh, folks at CBS uh, for Star Trek licensed stuff. We're talking with um, prop manufacturers who worked on uh, Firefly and Serenity. Uh, we we're talking to a Warehouse 13 guy right now. So all kinds of great stuff came out of that Tauntaun. Oh, that's awesome! Here, let me add Miles back in. Very cool. So those are the two products that are exciting. Is there anything that's up and coming that we can be looking forward to or nothing that you can share? There's stuff that is coming down, you guys, that is just going to freaking blow your minds. Um, uh, some stuff that uh, I can tell you that we're dealing uh, directly with uh, the licensing folks at CBS. Uh, we've got some Star Trek product that we're working on that is – it's one of those things. Let me tell you. It's one of those things that everyone will want but nobody has right now. I, I wish I could tell you more. The, you know, the, the ink isn't dry on the contract yet, but so amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to show you guys. And you guys, I'll, I'll try and see. I'll talk to the to the guy at Geek Labs. I'm going to try and see if I can get Sci-Fi Diner Podcast to be the place where we introduce the next big uh, Geek Labs project. Oh, we would love to be a part of that. Get you guys a scoop. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. Well, awesome. And then you've been with Geek for since the mid-90s or early 2000s? Uh, early actually, I've, uh, it's it's sort of a family company. My sister and uh, her fiancé were uh, two of the founders, and uh, I've sort of consulted with them from time to time and but wasn't in a position to join the group until uh, 2006. And uh, so you've been with them since then? Yep. Very cool. And uh, And you've always been the buyer? Is that kind of been your role since you've been there? Uh, I've been a buyer, and lately I've been doing a lot of the product videos. So if yeah. you've ever seen any of the weird product videos that we do on our YouTube channel, um, those are those are mine. Oh, so, so I'm like, sorry about those. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but you can check it out on the YouTube, and is that, is that just Think Geek in the YouTube channel? Yeah, YouTube.com/slash Think Geek. And alternatively, if you want to uh, seek us out on Twitter, Facebook, it's Twitter.com/slash Think Geek and Facebook.com/slash Think Geek. And if you want to follow me, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug myself. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it is Twitter.com/slash Fraze F R A I Z E. Well, they, does someone else do the Twitter for Think Geek then? Yeah, so we've got uh, Timmy, our uh, our monkey mascot, who's a hyper intelligent monkey, uh, very good with a keyboard, and he does all of our tweets. Very cool. Nothing that a bunch of monkeys couldn't do, that's for sure. That's right. But, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit of background to yourself and to Think Geek. And uh, if you've never been to the site, Think Geek, you've got to check it out. It's some great geeky stuff that I had a friend of mine. I was telling you, John, this when we met in person. But 
my first introduction to Think Geek was I, I bet early early two thousands. Um, and I had a friend of mine that kept running around with these weird and wacky T shirts you guys were selling. Uh, you know, stuff like you know I I read your email and stuff like that. I don't know. If, oh, hey, go ahead. Yeah, those those T shirts end up showing up on uh, TV shows like uh, the IT Crowd. If you ever watch uh, I, the IT Crowd on UK's Channel Four, I think they're showing it on. Um, Oh, crud. I can't remember the name of that cable network, but it's just now showing on uh, Independent or um, I'll, have to, I'll have to find out. <laughs> yeah, we can throw it in the show notes if you find it and yeah. email it to me. But, but yeah, so they, they – they, and that was my first introduction. I was like, oh, Think Geek. Oh, very cool. Very cool. But, all right. Well, let's move into uh, some show stuff. I kind of had here as we – after we introduced ourselves, talk a little bit about what we've been watching, what we've been reading, and maybe we can – before we get into the show, we can talk a little bit about that. So, what, Miles, why don't we start with you? Oh, I, one one real thick, quick thing. Listeners, this is a question for you, and I, I think I'm going to be trying to do this uh, a little bit more often, but trying to give a listener question for you guys to respond to, and then we'll talk about it in the upcoming shows. Um, and that is this. What genre TV shows are you looking forward to returning this fall? And so – let us know. Email us, Twitter us. Let us know what genre TV shows you're looking forward to. We're going to have, I'm sure, Miles and I, we always do um, late August, what shows that we're looking forward to coming out in September and October when the new season starts up. And we'll be talking about what shows they are. So just, again, the question is, what genre TV shows are you looking forward to returning this fall? I know I have a bunch, and Miles, I'm sure you do too. And John, do you watch a lot of sci-fi TV? I watched probably more than I should. <laughs> so uh, we probably all have our own that we will uh, have to chat about a little bit later then. So anything you guys are, I guess it plays into this next segment here, which is what are you guys reading and watching now? Miles, why don't you start us off? What What are some of the things you're reading and watching in the midst of your chaotic life right now? Well, uh, I'm enjoying Warehouse 13. Um, excellent episode last week with uh, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine's uh, Renee I, um, Arj Benawa, I'm butchering his last name. Aubergenois. Uh, thank you. Uh, he was just he, he was just great in this last episode. Um, what am I reading? So my brother has these uh, comic books uh, he's trying to sell, but before he does, I see some of them and I ask if I could borrow some of them to read and then get them back to him. Uh, they're in, like these plastic uh, uh, covers, so they're in, you know in immaculate shape. And so I'm reading some old. Um, some old Batman and some old uh, X-Men, Spider-Man comic books right now. Very awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. John, how about you? What are you uh, watching? What are you reading? Well, I just got back from, like, like last month, like you guys, just got back from shore leave and got uh, a, a big stack of books from uh, from our old friends Kevin Dilmore, Dayton Ward. Um, so I've got a whole bunch of a Time 2 uh, Star Trek novels that I've got to read. Uh, Robert Greenberger as well. Uh, as well as an old Michael Jan Friedman book, who, as we all know, was uh, from the roast that David Mack hosted. And uh, I'm also reading uh, – my wife uh, turned me on to Jim Butcher's Codex Alera series, starting with the first book, Furies of Calderon. Um, if anybody's ever read the Dresden Files uh, novels, the, uh, uh, the Chicago-based wizard, uh, it's a bit of a departure from uh, from the Furies of Calderon. It's, a, it's more of a, uh, a fantasy a series rather than a uh, sort of a horror sci-fi series, um, but so far it's got a lot of promise. Um, 
But as far as TV goes, um, since we're in the summer doldrums, I'm getting caught up on TV shows that I've missed on uh, Netflix. So I'm watching Avatar, the Nickelodeon animated series on Netflix right now. That is a fantastic treadmill watch, just like you watch Star Trek uh, on your treadmill. I watch Avatar uh, on treadmill 23 minutes at a time. Uh, and I tell you, I, this is the kind of anime I love. Great stories, complex characters, inner conflict, and some kick-ass superpowers. It's just great stuff. Oh, that 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 makes a good episode. Period. Yeah, um, and for me, I I just finished the. Uh, this is actually not sci-fi so much, but I was a huge fan of the Three Born movies that came out. And on a whim, uh, my first vacation this summer, we went on a couple. But the first uh, short vacation we went on, I grabbed one of the extended series by Eric von uh, Lustbatter, I think you say his name, and Robert Ludlum uh, from the Jason Bourne series, and then got hooked and read all four of them this summer. So that's been probably my paperback uh, back reading that I've been uh, getting into. And as you said, uh, John, I just I just finished season three of Next Generation this morning. Oh, nice. The, the treadmill, and finally we had a good cliffhanger uh, because the past two at, at, at the end of the two seasons were terrible. I absolutely love this season and I'm uh, and, and looking forward to getting into a lot of others. So I did that. I've been doing that and uh, just finished watching the Superman cartoons, 1942, by uh, I guess it was Dave, was it Fleisch, Fleischer? Fleischer? I don't know how you say his name exactly, but they have it's instant streaming on Netflix and you can watch those. And I was watching those with my kids and they, they absolutely love them. And, you know, it's kind of hokey now when you look at current animation, what you expect out of it. But it's kind of good to see, you know, some of the early stuff that really started it all. And um, Warehouse 13, watching that as well, as Miles said. And I have in my hands uh, Star Trek The Adventure Begins. And I believe it's the very first pocketbook novel. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it's the first in the list of the pocketbooks for Star Trek. And uh, Who's that by? That is by uh, Vonda and McIntyre. McIntyre, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, I, as Miles can attest, uh, Miles, how many uh, Star Trek novels have I read? Um, I could count how many on one hand. Yes, and I, and I could I, if you would have asked me before tonight, I would have said zero, but then I remembered that I did read the novelization of the latest Star Trek movie, if that counts. So, But I know I did not read any of the extended universe, and Miles has been after me, and I've been saying, where do I start? Well... This past week, we were down at the beach, and there was a book sale going on. And this book sale, when I went in, I ended up walking out of that book sale with 60 Star Trek pocketbook novels for, wow. about, for about $18. Amazing. Yeah. So I don't have the complete set, but I, uh, but I, have, I have a hell of a lot of them. So, yeah, state book sales and uh, library sales are great ways to pick up uh, old uh, old uh, issues of Star Trek novels from pocket. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great. So I have a I have a bunch that I have, and and they're all. And I just I realized when I was going through them the other day that they are all the uh, they're all the original series timeline. So it's not it's none of it's Deep Space Nine, none of it's Next Gen, none of it's uh, Enterprise or anything like that. Go ahead. Like I mentioned one more thing. I forgot to mention. I, I also watched. Uh, Last weekend, um, uh, Chase Masterson's uh, Yesterday Was a Lie. Ooh, yeah. So. Well, we definitely – we're going to have to review that upcoming. We'll have to chat with Chris about doing a little review on that in an upcoming show. Mm-hmm. But have you seen that, John, Yesterday Was a Lie? No, but I did hear the uh, the interview you guys did with Chase. And, uh, and if you guys are uh, at all paying attention out there listening, 
uh, do like she said. Don't go to Netflix and w- watch it streaming. See if you can actually get the DVD. If you have to get it from Netflix, get the DVD uh, because it's it's sort of film noir, black and white, doesn't really translate well in the compressed streaming format. So make sure you get the DVD. But I do plan on doing that. That's on my list. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, I watched I'm not sure if Chris watched it. We can ask him here in a moment. But it was a uh, – it was definitely it's def, definitely worth seeing, and I and I forgot that Peter Mayhew was in it until I saw the credits. But he's in it as well. Did yeah, Chewbacca. Did you see him? Uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I did see him. In it. It's a non-speaking role, but um, it's an important one, though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's get into our menu tonight, and uh, you know we're now about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes into the show here, and have given the menu. Let's go into the menu, and then we're going to bring Chris on. I think. Find out a little about a bit about Vegas Con and how that went and some of the highlights from that and have them reported on that. So on the menu tonight, we have a Katie Sackhoff interview we want to bring to you. We'll be bringing that to you near the end of the episode. Uh, there's a chance we might hold off on it depending on time. We have a ton of listener feedback we want to address. Uh, we're going to reveal our Star Trek trivia winner. Chris from Subspace Communique, as we mentioned, is going to bring us an update or a report on VegasCon. Uh, we have a Total Recall remake that Miles and I have talked about before. We have a little bit more news than that. And also the Skyline movie. Oh, I forgot to put it in here, the Quantum Leap movie. And a little bit of twist for, with Chase Masterson. Uh, she gets featured in Star Trek Online. And John's going to give us his top five best bad movies to love in sci-fi five and five. Is that right, John? Is that the way you said it? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah it works. Yeah, it works. best bad movies is what I called it. Yeah, so that, so, so yeah, that, that works definitely. I believe that is it as far as it goes. Well, let's go into some show news and listener feedback. Miles, you had one that you have listed here that you want to start out with. That is true. Um, I had uh, announced on the uh, forums on Star Trek Phase 2 uh, popular uh, – uh, independent fan film series, and uh, just got a nice little uh, note from uh, Sarge, who is uh, a lead moderator and administrator in the forums. I think he also helps out with the production. But he, he just said, uh, I've been downloading the podcast for some time now. I've enjoyed them immensely. Keep up the good work. Uh, so, Sarge, thank you for that uh, very positive feedback. Very cool. And phase two, of course, is what, Miles? Uh, they are the Star Trek fan film group that puts out uh, – uh, episodes uh, from the original series uh, timeline, and it's they, ha- they have actors that play the uh, original series uh, characters. Very cool. And uh, John, have you seen any of those? Oh yeah, I've seen a few of them. Uh, <laughs> I love the one with George Takei. That one was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So actually, that might be the best one, I think. Totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and some other listener uh, feedback, and this is from Jen, and she actually writes in twice. So you'll hear another little email from her in a second here, but. Uh, this is Jen again. I was also uh, thinking one of the topics you would talk about next uh, was uh, different strong female characters that have been sci-fi action TV and movies. I've uh, known and always felt uh, empowered by them. My favorites are uh, Xena, Ripley, Sarah Connor, Wonder Woman, uh, slash Linda Carter, uh, and Captain Janeway and uh, Samantha Carter, etc. I go on and on. They're just awesome. And Miles, you you did give your list. Was it the last episode you gave your list of your top five female characters? Yes, uh, t- uh, top great five uh, leading ladies in sci-fi. Yeah, and some of those are listed here. So that, and there, there she has some good additions as well. Uh, Very true. And uh, Jen also wrote in to say, I just want to write in and say I have been enjoying the podcast as well. This is still Jen from New York. Same Jen. Hi, Jen. Um, as for most, my most disappointing women of sci-fi, so she kind of counteracts what she said in the other email, I would think that it would be 
a cast from Star Trek Voyager. I'd really liked her in the beginning. It was really kind of disappointed where her storyline led to. I know she was another one who left. I didn't know the reason behind whether it was because she didn't want to act anymore. Um, so I don't know. Uh, do you guys know anything behind that story? I don't even know who Kess is from Star Trek Voyager. So, uh, yeah, no. Not, I, okay. Go ahead, Miles. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what her reasons were for leaving the show. Um, I, I agree. Her, her character started off kind of interesting, but then um, towards the end of of her tenure there, I, I didn't think uh, they were doing as much with her or just what, what they were doing with her wasn't that interesting. She came back for that one episode in Voyager. Um, I won't spoil it for you, uh, Scott, but uh, she did come back and uh, kick a little ass, and that was a that was a really nice uh, send off for, uh, for for Kess. I thought that's true. I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. She goes on to say the same thing goes for Doctor Weir on Stargate Atlantis. I really loved her character, and she was almost like me, another Captain Janeway. I thought she was a good, strong female character, and she was another uh, one who left, but it was unclear as to why she left as well. But I see that she's still continuing her acting career. We saw that she was in Stonehenge Apocalypse, which wasn't half bad. I look forward to your interview with her. And actually, in our interview with her, Miles, she does talk about why they kind of cut her role. Right. And so we won't give too much more of that away. But she does kind of answer why she's was not in Stargate Atlantis after a while and why they kind of took away her role. Uh, and then uh, this last one was... How do you pronounce this lady's name? There was was it Tapol? Tapol. Tapol. That she was uh, kind of disappointing to me. She always just seemed. Uh, um, uh, I'm not sure what this means. Seemed one note to me. We caught, we kind of had that drone cat suit with seven and nine. I kind of liked her. I'm not sure what she's yeah. saying. Paul was a Vulcan character on uh, Star Trek Enterprise. So, you know, when you're Vulcan, you, you kind of don't emote. So, uh, I mean, uh, Leonard Nimoy did his best with a character that was supposed to be non-emotional. And uh, he acted, uh, I thought, very well, a very dry character. But to Paul uh, was even more, I guess, stiff. So, uh, you know, you got to give props to Jillian Blaylock for doing the best with what the writers gave her. And I thought she did okay, although I think the writers were a little bit disingenuous trying to bring some TNA to Star Trek. And I just I thought it was a, a, a bad fit for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just don't see they, that. Go ahead. I think they tried to do a little more with her towards the end, just showing her, can I say it, just being maybe more human, her, her, her having a problem with, a, with a, a drug problem in, in season three and uh, her relationship problems with uh, uh, Trip. Uh, so they try to, I guess, try to humanize her a little bit towards the end, showing her, you know, her, her uh, character flaws or, or struggles, I should say. Um, but whether that's whether that succeeded or not, I'll just leave that up to the fans whether they think so or not. Right. She has two other people that she mentions. Claire Bennett from Heroes was actually disappointing to me. Here I thought she was the type that would stand up for the underdog, but in the end she only became somewhat annoying because she would bring everyone out into the open and cause nothing but trouble for everyone. Uh, Claire Bennett. What do I think of Claire Bennett after all this time? Give or take Claire Bennett. There were other heroes I liked better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of I'm with you there, Jen. Yeah. And I'm and I was. She was kind of the iconic. We remember that first episode of Heroes when she throws herself off that crane. I mean, that's like the iconic moment for Heroes. Yeah, I think she was the first character to actually show her powers on the show. Yeah. I mean, when you see her kind of break her arm back in, you're like, awesome. And then it doesn't really do, I mean, that first season, as we've talked about in the show before, the be- we're probably the best season for heroes, but after that, you just kind of lost her character, so. But, and uh, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation, 
she said, she loves Deanna. I just felt that they underused her character so much. They probably didn't really know what else to do with her character after a while. Yeah, I think Gates McFadden had the same complaint about her own character when she played um, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Crusher on Next Generation. She felt that all she ever did was wave a tricorder around. Um, and she wanted more out of Star Trek, and she wasn't getting it from the writers. Was that was that the reason that she cut out a season, or were there other reasons involved with that? Yeah, I think she had some uh, some outside work, and uh, Paramount's got a- exclusivity contracts, so you can't work on Star Trek and do something else at the same time. So she said, okay, goodbye. And uh, they wanted her back at uh, season three, as you know. Oh, very cool. Which is too bad because I kind of like Dr. Plasky better. Yeah, I was getting to like her too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, I, I didn't like her at first when she came on, but after uh, after watching the entire season with her, I was sad to see her go. So, sad. Yeah. Jen also talks about, we'll do this briefly, uh, Eureka in Warehouse 13. Miles, uh, you love Warehouse 13 and the crossover episode with Eureka, last week's episode where they, uh, you know, lock down the warehouse and the computer glitch takes over the warehouse was that crossover episode. Um, and it was an excellent episode. Uh, Frage, are you watching it? That episode was so much fun, and I love anything Rene Albarchinois does, which is how I know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, it was just some excellent episodes. I'm still enjoying, enjoying Alison Scagliotti as being kind of this, you know, teenage – uh, supposedly, you know, his teenage looser character in the in the in the set, and so I like the line of the characters. Although I will tell you that um, Eddie is it Eddie McGlinklocks. Is that his name? McGlinklocks. I forget the guy's actors. I forget what his acting is. It Peter? Um, who? who I, I'm I'm showing totally losing geek cred here. Who are the main characters? Help me out here. <laughs> uh, well, Pete, Pete and Micah are the. Thank agents. you, Pete. Yeah. So Pete's character is annoying me a little bit. And this last episode, did you watch last night's episode, any of you? I haven't caught up yet. Yeah, no. yeah. It's all about him. And um, it's actually a pretty good episode, but it does, uh, eh, I don't know. Just maybe my personal thoughts on it. And I'm not watching Eureka. And, John, are you watching Eureka? It's one of those that's on my Netflix list. I'll probably get caught up sometime this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jen, thanks for writing in and giving us your thoughts about both female characters you liked and didn't like, as well as the uh, Warehouse 13 and Eureka. We love when you people write in and, and go from there. Uh, Miles, why don't you take the one from Kalis? Okay, our friend Kalis uh, says, um, um, it was mentioned in your episode saying that the trivia questions all seem to come from Star Trek lore. Nothing wrong with that, at least from my point of view, since there is little else I have time for. So uh, Kalis is pretty much... Uh, devoting his sci-fi love to Star Trek for the time being. Yeah. Well, he, it continues there for the next couple of lines. He says uh, he was wondering, um, would one consider Highlander to be science fiction? Uh, in my mind, I find it a bit of a stretch to consider Buffy, Hercules, Xena, even Star Wars, for the most part, as science fiction. In my mind, science fiction has some science involved. Uh, I, I think a lot was considered science fiction is really fantasy. P- perhaps you could address that in a future show. And he gives us a rounding kapla. And thank you, Kalis, for... Uh, your contribution to uh, um, to the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what do you guys think of this, uh, John? Sci-fi and fantasy, I mean, there's, there's obviously a certain amount of crossover. Uh, the audience blends so much that you can almost talk about the, uh, the both of them together as, as the same thing. Although if you really want to get technical, no. I mean, if you're watching, say, Legend of the Seeker, uh, yeah, that's not sci-fi. That's fantasy. But 
at, at a point, I think it's becoming a, a bit of a split hairs issue. Yeah. Miles? I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, there, there is so much crossover. It's, you know, what are you going to do now? It's just uh, – it's the way it's just the way uh, stories are being told now. There's just a, there's there's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, uh, we're, we're Warehouse 13. I mean, um, th- there is some sci- there is science fiction there, but with the whole thing with the artifacts, I, I think there is a, there's a strong fantasy element there. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, like he mentions Highlander. Like if I were to be technical, I'd probably put Highlander, Buffy, Hercules, and Xena, especially into maybe more fantasy categories, just because mm-hmm. there isn't. They aren't heavy on the science, but when you get into Star Wars and you deal with, you know, ships and and, and droids and and other stuff that in cloning, I mean, you, you do get into some science, uh, even though it may not be your hard science. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's not your hard sci-fi um, that 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 you're getting into, but but uh, there's certainly a sense in the storytelling, especially the journey of a hero. Um, part of, of Star Wars that really fits into the fantasy genre real well. So, well we agree with you, Kalis. We agree with you. Um, other note here, Dan S. says, don't listen to him, Miles. Keep the Star Trek trivia questions coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people uh, agree with you, Miles. You should come up with them. But And and Rad, Raduz, I think I'm pronouncing your name right, um, he sent in Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and we will be reading yours in the upcoming shows. So we did not forget you. We didn't forget you. And uh, thanks to Dan S., Rob S., Cadet GT, JS for their kind words. And I really should have spelled it there right, being I'm an English teacher. But uh, let's head into our trivia here, and uh, then we got to bring Kalis on. Uh, not Kalis, Chris on from Subspace. Okay. So go ahead, Miles. Okay. We asked last time in the TV show Star Trek Enterprise, the character of DePaul was originally supposed to be a different name harking back to a character in the original series. What was the original name for the T'Pol character? Um, the answer was T'Pol, and, uh, uh, and and Cadet JT got that right. And the reason they they didn't go with that was um, T'Pol was the original intended name for the T'Pol, but was not chosen due to royalty concerns. Yeah, at least that's what that's what Cadet uh, GT said. I wasn't sure if you could verify there if you knew that or not, Miles. He he is absolutely right. Okay. See, I wouldn't have known that. I totally knew that one. You did. You should have written into the show. Yeah, but I think I've got a little inside, you know. I just don't like, uh, you know, if I'm going to be on the podcast, I don't think I should be eligible for any kind of prize. <laughs> probably like you, like when ThinkGeek gives stuff away, you probably can't get it, right? Kind yeah. of like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, hey, you get all the test stuff. You get to test it out. That's right. You, you got the dream job. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, Miles, what did Cadet GT win? He is winning a signed uh, – a print from uh, Dominic Keating, who play, uh, when he was playing uh, Luke, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed in Star Trek Enterprise. Very cool. Well, congratulations, Cadet GT, and we'll send this prize out to you. Um, and uh, uh, we'll have a new trivia question next week, so be tuning in for that, and it'll probably be related to whatever we're talking about then. Well, before we bring in Chris from Subspace, uh, let's go ahead and do our first promo this evening. And we didn't talk about this, John, but I thought what we'd do is is have you give a little bit of a, another promo for ThinkGeek, talk a bit, a bit about what you guys have, what you do, and where they can find your site. All right, well, ThinkGeek.com, it's, uh, we call ourselves uh, uh, Stuff for Smart Masses. Um, 
for all you smart people out there who uh, who uh, know more than your neighbor who's always fixing mom's computer, um, the one who's always asked to help out whenever there's a technical question, um, we are the site for you. So come and check us out. We've got all kinds of T-shirts that uh, say who you are, and uh, we, we, we sort of subscribe to what we call the secret handshake, whereas if you're wearing a T-shirt that says, uh, for example, there are one zero kinds of people uh, who understand binary, those who do and those who do not, um, there's going to be a very small percentage of people who understands what your shirt means. But when that person sees you and you see them, you're going to give that little nod and say, yep, you're one of my people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a great T-shirt, by the way. It's one of my favorites. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Chris, of course, is the writer for, uh, one of the writers for Subspace Communique and has recently returned from Vegas Con. Yes. Yeah. Are you are you recovered from that yet? I think I have uh, what they've been calling on Twitter the PCD, which is the post con depression. (laughs) Oh Oh, man! Well, uh, tell us a little bit about Vegas Con. I mean, we have you on here to talk about Vegas. Let's talk about Vegas Con. You know, it's funny. I was actually just going through um, because I I live blogged the entire con, uh, and I'm going through all of the. The, the different entries that I made and kind of editing them down and, and making sure I spelled stuff right because I was literally sitting in panels and just, you know, typing the whole time while people are saying stuff. So uh, it's kind of cool to go back and relive some of this stuff. But, no, it was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's the first con I've ever been to, which is insane since I run a Star Trek website. Um, but, yeah, it was really, really cool. I think the, the best part for me was meeting all the people that read my site um, all my friends on Twitter, all the guys with TrekCast, Larry Nimichek, I got to hang with Chase. And thanks to you guys, I got to hang with Chase, I should say. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. why, why is that? <laughs> well, she didn't know me until I talked to her on your show. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, I got went up and talked to her, and she remembered me and remembered you guys. And so I got to hang with her and talk to her for a while and went to the um, the Intergalactic Bartender Party. You know the, the book that um, – Darren from TrekCast uh, started because he was a bartender at Quark's Bar at the Experience. Um, so he and a friend created this um, this uh, business where they actually have all of the drink uh, recipes from the Experience, but they're obviously named slightly different so they don't get in trouble with CBS or whoever, Cedar Fair, or whoever owns the rights to it. But um, they uh, they had a party. Uh, and Chase was a spokesman for the intergalactic bartend- bartender, so I got to go to the party and hang with her and hang with everyone else. But yeah, you know, all in all, it's a fantastic experience. Yeah, it's really cool. What do you remember about about the series, about the work on the series? Was it hard, easy, what? <laughs> that series was so hard to do. It was overwhelming. I had all those pages of dialogue to learn. I had publicity to do. I had you to put up with. I had uh, I had a lot of work to do, and 
And uh, it was tough on everything, relationships, everything. It took years to recover. Yeah. But look at what we got. Here we are, 2010. Let me tell you one day, for example, yeah. and, and, and what it was like, and what I remember so vividly it could be yesterday. A dad died at noon. We rehearsed all morning long, some scene we were going to do in the afternoon. I got a noon call from my mother. We making the devil in the dark. Exactly. And, and I got a phone call, my dad just passed away. Uh, in Miami, and we, we, we lived, my family lived in Montreal, 3,000 miles, 2,000 miles away. So, I was, now, the next plane to Miami was in the evening. So now I had from noon to 6 o'clock to film. And I didn't know what to do, and I decided I'd just stay there in the studio and try and work. And I struggled to remember the lines that we had rehearsed for all those hours, could hardly remember them, filled with such grief. And the one, two things, two things that happened that I will never forget was your presence. Like I've seen uh, since then, elephants supporting each other in grief, their bodies are, are holding each other up, uh, supporting, having a physical presence that was also an emotional presence that supported uh, supported the elephant, supported you were supporting me. That and our cinematographer, who was weeping as well, because his father, some years earlier, had died on camera. While he, his father had been a cameraman, while he was an assistant cameraman, he was assisting his father, and he was present at his father's death, as he was present at my father's death. So the grief resonated with him, and your presence and his got me through those hours, and I remember that vividly. So, there were a lot of notables out there. What were some of the highlights for you as far as some of the people that you got to see at the con? I mean, obviously, part of what makes a con is connecting with the people you know that you've been talking to on Twitter, Facebook, and all that. Uh, but then, obviously, you go there not only be, to hang out with people, but to watch people. What were some of the highlights? Yeah, I actually got to go uh, to about 99% of the panels, so that was cool. I saw everyone from Shatner and Nimoy to Patrick Stewart. And in fact, during uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner's panel, because they would actually take turns, like Sh or Nimoy came out first, then Shatner, and then both of them were on stage at the same time. And of course, the chemistry is just amazing between those two. Uh, but in the middle of Shatner's um, panel, Patrick Stewart came out on stage, which was epic. I mean, that was just amazing. Um, he came out on stage for a couple of minutes and then his panel was the next day. Uh, but yeah, it was just really cool to be able to see so many different Trek stars. 
I got to go to um, – well, I paid to go. I didn't just get to go. <laughs> but, but I paid to go to the, the Deep Space Nine breakfast. Uh, and what that is basically is it's – I'd say, you know, 60 fans pay, you know, X amount of dollars to have a continental breakfast. They take you into this – one of the banquet rooms. You're, you're divided up into tables. Uh, each table has an empty chair, and there's probably – six people at each table. So it's really small, but then they brought in, um, James Darren, Nana visitor. Um, let's see who else, Andrew Robinson, who played Garrick on deep space nine. Um, let me think who else was there. Oh man, I'm totally forgetting somebody. Oh, Jeffrey Combs. How could I forget him? Um, let me think. I think that's it. There might, might've been one more. Oh, Salome Jens. She played the founder. Uh, the lady founder on DS9. But they would each take turns at the table. So the the star would come up and sit at the table and talk to you and, and answer your questions. And, you know, they would – it was like I think somebody on Twitter, uh, one of the people that was with us called it speed dating with Star Trek stars because that's <laughs> kind of what it was like. Uh, oh, but cool. that was really cool because you got like, you know, one-on-one FaceTime with the stars. So it was it was pretty amazing. Wow, that is so, that is awesome. Yeah, and you know all the panels were great. Um, it was really cool, just kind of walking around and soaking in the experience, and and talking to the different people and all the former actors of Star Trek: The Experience, which I've kind of gotten to know and become friends with. And uh, they actually had their own panel to talk about Star Trek: The Experience, you know, which has actually been shut down, um, unfortunately, shut down. But in the middle of their panel, I hear this, and I'm covering it for my site, so I'm in there typing and taking pictures, but I hear this ruckus outside, like this insane, like, screaming and excitement, and uh, I go to see what, you know, I get up and walk towards the door, and here comes William Shatner coming right at me with a camera crew following him. He got so close that I swear I could have reached over and given him a hug, you know? It was pretty intense. Um, it was kind of funny because he walked into the panel uh, with the guys from the experience are up there, you know, talking about obviously Star Trek, the experience. Uh, and, uh, one of the Vernon, one of the guys who played a Borg at the experience said, yeah, you know, Shatner asked to be on the panel, but he didn't work there. So we didn't let him right when Shatner walked in the room. It was epic. Totally nice. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah. So it was a really cool time. I mean, you know, I think the, the best part for me was just hanging with all the people that I've known over the past year and a half for the site and hanging with them at space quest casino and hanging with Jared super Spock Formby and Darren from Trek cast and David from Trek cast and just all the different guys, you know, Damon that does trivia. We all got to know each other pretty well. So it was pretty cool. And miles is back with us. We lost him there for a second. Miles, <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah, that's all right. Miles, you there? I'm here. And yeah. Chris, hi, how you doing? It's good. To, good to hear you. Yeah, man. Good to hear you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, I, I, one of these days I gotta get to the to, to the Vegas con. Um it, it sounds like, you know, this is this is what 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 this is Mecca for, for Star Trek fans. Yeah, it, it really is. The only thing that, that the only disappointment I had with the con was creation, the company that puts it on. Um, I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're actually pretty <laughs> terrible. Mm. Um they really don't treat fans well and Obviously, charge too much, but the, I mean, it's just like, it's like cattle. I mean, they literally jammed us in seats. I mean, it was, 
it was very tight and the way they treated the stars and the fans and just, yeah, it just, it was deplorable in my opinion, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I kind of envious of you guys going to the fan run shows just because I'm sure the people that run it are so like nice and generous and, and friendly and, and whatever. But yeah, that was my only, only disappointment with the show was creation. So yeah. Yeah, have, have, and Miles, Miles, John, you 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 both been to creation shows. What has your experience been at creation shows? Creation, yeah, I, I kind of had the same experience that uh, Chris did. Um, I think creation is sort of the ticket master of uh, conventions. They they really they're out for the money. They don't really care about the fans so much. In fact, I've got a photo of Aaron Douglas uh, who played Chief on um, on Battlestar Galactica, uh, who had just drawn a sign that says "Creation sucks" and was holding it up in front of me. Uh, he had that set up on his uh, signing booth at uh, at Shore Leave uh, 30, I think. Um, that was a great little moment. That's awesome. But um, <laughs> yeah, I did have a, a short little story that happened to me at Creations, very similar to your story, Chris. I was uh, I was staying at uh, in Cherry Hill for the uh, for the, for Star Trek Creation in New Jersey a few years ago, and I just left my hotel room, was about to go down to the to the show floor. When I heard or when I saw coming out of the elevator, the show organizers and a couple of security guards come storming out of the out of the uh, uh, out of the elevator. And they went straight to the double doors, the suite that's on the floor and banged on the door and they yelled, Leonard. And you hear from inside. Yeah. And it was Leonard Nimoy in the hotel room right next door to mine. And he had been there for a day and I didn't even know. I was going to say, I, I actually heard that um, from from several sources and I won't quote the sources, but apparently creation charges lesser known stars for their tables uh in the the vendor room which is fine i mean you know creation needs to make a profit as well but not only do they do that but they then won't allow those stars to bring their photographs to sign they have to buy them from creation they have to buy pictures of themselves from creation to sell at the show yeah so it's it's pretty insane if you if you really think about it wow the only thing that happened at Shorely this year, Catherine Hicks, who was uh, signing, ran out of photos, and they ran up and bought them from the vendors. But that was only because of of the of the shortfall in photos that she had. I guess she wasn't expecting that many people to know her, recognize or remember her. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know. a problem to have. Yeah. So, but yeah. Sure. One story that I that I, that I love. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Wes from the Road Warrior. You know the main bad guy with the mohawk, and he was in Weird Science, and oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of played, kind of played the same character in Weird Science. Well, we actually uh, got to hang out with him a bit. He ended up like I don't know. He loved my wife. Like I came down from the bathroom, and I actually saw him standing like at the bottom of the stairs talking to her, and he'd been talking to her for like thirty minutes. But we went up and just got an autograph from him. And kind of got to talking to him and stuff and saw him throughout the week. But, man, yeah, he totally loved my wife. It was insane. Hmm. Very cool. Epic. Very cool. And so, but was he in Star Trek then? You know, I don't think so. I'd have to look it up. But, you know, it's funny. uh, He might have been. But sometimes Paramount won't release the rights to a character for, you know, you to have photos of. Like, if you played a character on Star Trek, they won't allow you to then – you know, go to shows and say, I was this guy, and then sign pictures of the character you played, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So he might have been. I know that that happened to the guy that played Jason in Friday the 13th. So. Was there anything else about the con, anything notable that happened, or any questions that Miles, John, you guys have? 
I, I did actually have one question um, regarding the experience. Are have they chosen a point, a place for it to be moved to? I, I keep hearing that it's it's going to go down to Fremont Street, or no, it's going to go over here. Uh, is there going to be a final destination for the Star Trek experience? The uh, the the only thing I've heard, and I think it's I want to say his name is John Van Sitters Sitters from CBS. Uh, he says that it's you know plans are still in the works. It's kind of kind of just like a general answer. I know that Neonopolis fell through completely, which is a mall um, there in Vegas that they were going to move it to. Um, but yeah, so far there's no. No definite plans. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day, which is really a shame. Yeah, well, they sold off a bunch of the props, didn't they, from Star Trek Experience? Yeah, they actually did at the convention. They had a um, they had an auction for a lot of the stuff. Um, and, you know, most of that stuff was 10 years old and right. pretty beat. So if they, if they do the experience, they're going to have to start over from scratch. Right, and update it and, and all that jazz. Right, and probably include the new Star Trek movie universe and, and that kind of stuff. So well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, excellent. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the con before we uh, move on with our show? So, Chris, uh, I, I, um, I heard you got a little bit of FaceTime with uh, Chase Masterson. Um, uh, how, how was it with uh, kind of hanging out with her um, that week? You got to see her. Oh, a bit. she's. Yeah, I actually got to hang out with her quite a bit. She's really cool. I mean, it's it's no wonder that people that, that Trek fans, you know, she, that she's a, a favorite of Trek fans just because she's so generous and nice and kind. And so yeah, it was really cool to to hang out with her. I also got to hang out with the uh, direct, writer director of Yesterday Was a Lie, uh, which was, he was there with her too, um, which was really cool. Seems like a really cool guy, nice guy. Uh, but yeah, you know Chase is super sweet. She's really cool. Oh, and my Vegas con shirts were a huge hit. I don't know if you guys saw those. I did see. Uh, I you twittered some of them. Yeah, yeah. People love those, which was rad. You know, it's kind of cool to make something and people get excited about it and want it and what have you. So it was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Did you did you get a chance to see Yesterday Was a Lie, Chris? No, I haven't. I actually got a copy at the show, uh, and I've seriously been slowly recovering from it the last <laughs> couple of days, so I haven't really done much. Well, when you uh, well, when uh, but, you watch uh, yeah. it, when you when you watch it, Miles and I would uh, love to sit down and do a review with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I plan on writing a, re- a review for my site. Um, so yeah, we can definitely do that. That'd be awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining us and talking us a little bit about Vegas Con. Yeah, totally. And you know, one more thing. I don't know if. Uh, we want to keep this on the show or not you might want to edit it out but my last uh night at space quest with the guys from Trekcast, uh and all you guys are familiar with uh david and darren from Trekcast, right well yeah i know i am i've listened to the show and we've talked about Trekcast on here john have you listened to Trekcast at all I think I, I listened to it a while back, but I haven't been uh, keeping up, on, I'm afraid. Well, they haven't been doing well, uh, that many Darren shows was, recently either. No, no. Yeah, they've actually been been kind of busy, so they haven't been putting them out as regularly. Uh, but it's funny. We were talking about a new product for Think Geek uh, at the show. Apparently, at the beginning uh, or right when they opened the experience, um, they actually had Batleth steak knives for, for people to use uh, at the, the experience, and they all – you know, got stolen, uh, disappeared, what have you. But uh, Darren and I were talking about it, and I told him I was going to be on a show with you, John, from, from Think Geek, and he, he told me that I, I need to tell you that you guys should make Batleth steak knives because he wants one really badly. So <laughs> Yeah, we've been approached to make uh, Batleth um, um, letter openers, so uh, it's on our list. 
Oh, there you go. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Another hot item from ThinkGeek. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We pay a bounty. Oh, so if, yeah, you, uh, if you come up with a really good idea, we'll actually pay you money if you come up with a really good one. So. Right on. Yeah, I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to look into that for sure. Yeah, Chris said that he definitely wants one of those uh, shirts that you made for Kevin Dilmore at the convention. The Captain- oh, the Captain Pike shirt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I definitely want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so if they ever see the light of day, we're working on them. We're working on them. Yeah, put me down for one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you joining us and talking a little bit about Vegas. Yeah, man. And thanks for having me. If if anybody wants to see my uh, coverage of VegasCon, you can go to subspacecoms.com slash Vegas slash Vegas dash 2010. Uh, right. And all my coverage is right there. Right. So. And will you be doing uh, will you be doing some post follow up posts from that as well? Actually, yep, that's what I'm working on tonight is a, a kind of a recap. Um, okay. I found somebody who's a follower of mine on Twitter. She, you know, illegally or whatever you want to call it, uh, videotaped some of the sessions, some of the panel sessions, <laughs> put it on YouTube. So I'm actually going to do a recap and post some of those videos in it. Okay, very cool. My thoughts on the DS9 breakfast. So Very, yeah. very cool. And they can find you on Twitter where? Uh, Twitter.com slash subspacecoms. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, Chris, and chatting with us a little bit about VegasCon. Well, let's move into some movie news. We have a few bit of – we have a little bit of movie news here I want to talk about. Um, And the first bit is a uh, a movie coming out from uh, – called Skyline. And uh, I don't know. I I took a moment to try and watch a trailer, and it kind of – I was – having internet hell or something right then but uh it looks like what it, it could be one of these movies like sort of what inception was i did not get a chance to see inception did any of you guys see it not yet no not yet. it's one of these movies that i hear that i have to see and box office tallies you know this this movie in my opinion came out of nowhere i wasn't hearing anyone talk about it and all of a sudden july comes and i'm hearing inception 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 um and it's doing really well at the box office, and then I feel like a schlep because we haven't ever talked about this, and I don't know anything about. It. Did you got? Were you guys hearing a lot of stuff before this movie came out? Because I wasn't. Honestly, this is the first I've heard of it. John, you? Same here. Yeah, Inception. Yeah, the first time I've heard of it. Uh, you? It, it, it was in the. Uh, it's been in the. It's been in the movies now for the past couple of weeks, unless I'm dreaming. So, but if any of you guys have, go ahead. I misunderstood you. No, I, I knew Inception was out for a while. I was thinking of something of the, 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 this. This is what we're talking about. Now. Oh yeah, Skyline. Uh, this I, is the first time I heard about it. Comic Con buzz had no one. They knew nothing about this. They said basically the news story is this: We told you about Skyline last month after we went to Comic Con, knowing nothing about it, and uh, came out the other side thinking this low budget movie had a shot at teaching blockbusters a thing or two about alien invasions. Now along comes the film's first trailer to tell us maybe we were right. Skyline, directed by Greg and Colin Struss, who also directed Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem, uh, but try not to hold that against them, okay? Hits theater November 12th. If you get a chance, check out the trailer. Let us know what you guys think about this movie. But it, it looks like what this movie is aiming to be is another District 9. It has a little bit of that feel. Just even even the premise has a little bit, so I think it's well worth checking out. If you get a chance, check the check out the trip. It's a good poster. Yeah, it's a great poster for that. Scott Bakula, there will be a Quantum Leap movie. Not sure how he missed the news coming out of Comic Con until now. For Quantum Leap fans, it might have been the biggest news to come out of Comic Con uh, uh, that Quantum Leap will be back and it'll be back on the big screen at the a Leap of Faith 
uh, Quantum Leap's uh, retrospective panel, uh, Scott Bakula shared the big news with 600 fans who attended. The good news is that uh, Don, uh, Quantum Leap uh, creator, creator uh, Donald uh, Belsario, is working on the film script and has a big-time Hollywood producer who wants to do it. It's about time, but what I always thought would happen, happened, that he's now too old for the role. But uh, Dean Stockwell, who played Al, and I will have a part in it somehow. Don did the same. Don did say that he, as he was writing, he told me he was having trouble getting you and Dean out of my head. But, you know, he will do it. So to recap, big screen quantum leap, yes. Scott Bakula as Sam Beckett, no. Uh, but Scott Bakula is something, yes. We'll take it. How about you? Uh, I'm not enough of a fan. Yeah, I'll, 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 maybe I'll catch it on Netflix. Yeah, that's one of those. Now, I could be surprised. If I see the trailers and it wows me, Absolutely. I mean, like Tron, like, you know, I saw the original Tron, you know, when it was in high school, 1986, something like that. I saw it on one of those uh, video discs, before, you know, the ones that came out before DVDs, the big record player size things. Um, and oh, I yeah. saw it, and it was, and, 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 and these were, and it was, it was good for its time, but, you know, if it would not have been for the trailer that they came out with, uh, that showed Tron 2 Legacy coming out, I cannot wait till that movie comes out and hits theaters. I want to see it. But so if something like that, maybe I'm in. Maybe I'm in. I don't know. Any other thoughts on Quantum Leap Miles? Uh, I'm going to withhold judgment. I think uh, uh, I did owe your thoughts, too. If the, tra- yeah. if the trailer's good, maybe I'll uh, shell the 10 bucks. go see it. Yeah. Total Recall is having a remake done. It seems like the studios in Hollywood are running drive ideas. We've said that before. Or just don't seem to be any good ones. As news broke today that we may be getting another remake of an erratic classic action movie. Uh, apparently, we can look forward to it or dread a remake of the already awesome sci-fi flick, Total Recall. Now, I thought that we have heard rumors about this before, Miles. Am I wrong about this? I seem to recall um, about, yeah, I, I seem to recall possible remake of uh, Total Recall. Well, certainly, there's, here's a little bit more news. The Hollywood Reporter revealed that director Len Wiseman is in negotiations to revamp the movie, through no, the, although no script or lead actor has been penned down yet. Wiseman's probably just best known for writing and directing the vampire series Underworld and directed the last installment of the Die Hard franchise. For those of you that have been deprived of seeing the original movie, it follows Douglas Quaid, uh, Schwarzenegger, an average guy who buys a dream version of a vacation on the planet Mars from Recall, Inc., a company that sells dreams. Things go awry, and Quaid finds himself in a world turned upside down. Um, so this movie has some pretty crazy special effects, a creepy dude uh, growing out of another creepy dude's stomach, and a hot chick with not two but three boobs. Yeah, so the movie was pretty much sweet to begin with. Not to bring up cliches, but this kind of falls into the realm of why fix something that's not broken. Arnold Schwarzenegger was reaching the height of his fame when Total Recall was released and cemented itself as being one of the best sci-fi films of the 1990s. We're already getting a remake of Escape from New York and a remake of RoboCop could be on the horizon. Although I heard that that was shut down recently. It's been 20 years since the movie came out, and some of the special effects aren't quite as impressive as it might have been, but doesn't detract from the movie. Star Wars and Beetlejuice may not be as visually impressive today as when they were first released, but nonetheless remain fan favorites. I don't know why that last sentence is in there. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on a Total Recall remake? I'm not for it. Uh, It's only been 20 years since the last one. And maybe special effects-wise, it it may be not as good as today's standards. But I think as a a movie, as a story, it still holds up. Um, I just think Hollywood's just going back to the well too often. They're just having a hard time coming up with something original. Yeah. John, how about your thoughts? 
You know, I've learned not to be afraid of remakes, um, uh, redos, because I think, uh, I, I think you know, if you go back in time and you watch some of the movies from the 70s and 80s, even the 90s, the pacing and the style is so very different from modern movies uh, that, that you think, you know, if they could just tighten this up just a little bit, this would be awesome again, uh, at least for modern tastes. So, you know, I always like to see what a director or a producer will uh, will think of as, you know, what can I do to, to sort of jazz this up a little bit or or inject some interest in the in the genre. I mean, J.J. Uh, Abrams did a fantastic job, I thought, with Star Trek, uh, injecting some new life into the franchise. So I tend to not be uh, too afraid. I tend to uh, look at something and have it stand on its own to be not try and compare it to uh, to the original work. Yeah, and I think maybe a classic example of that is the, is the Batman franchise with Batman Begins and The Dark Knight kind of rebooting that franchise and making it into a much more serious uh, drama than, you know, the Michael Keaton and some of the other Batmans that were there. Thanks for coming on the Movie News. And if there's if any of you guys listening have any thoughts on any of these remakes or reboots or anything that's coming out on the pike, let us know. Let us know what you're looking forward to. And in celebration of Star Wars Celebration, Five, uh, we're going to play the Forcecast promo, so here it is. Introducing Forcecast.net. Home for all things Forcecast. This is where the fun begins. Star Wars fans, listen to the Forcecast and visit Forcecast.net. We found the computer outlet, sir. From the weekly Forcecast to the Clone Wars Roundtable and the IndieCast. Forcecast.net leaves no fan behind. It is pointless to resist. Watch Forcecast live. Read our blog. Post in our forums. Check out photo galleries. Listener contests. Cruise through the show archives, including the Galaxy of Music, Clone Wars Roundtables, Microcasts, Cantina Interviews, Special Reports. They're all here. Are you sure this thing is safe? What are you waiting for? Check it out. Forcecast.net. I feel the force. The galaxy is listening. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Donner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed some of our Star Trek news and our many other bits of news, our movie news that we've had. But we are bringing you uh, a very good, even though it's a very short interview, that we had with Katie Sackoff at Shore Leave 32. Now, John, you're with us. Miles had to leave to go to work. You, you had a chance to see Katie at the con. What were your thoughts on Katie and, and, and what she said and her at the con? Yeah, Katie was just so uh, personable, and it was so cute because he had this giant room full of, uh, you know, a thousand people who just wanted to hear what she had to say, and she was visibly embarrassed. I mean, this is somebody who's on arguably one of the top sci-fi shows on TV, very famous, recognized on the street all the time, and yet was flustered when presented with, you know, a thousand geeks who wanted to, wanted to hear what she had to say. I thought that was awesome. Um, but she had some really interesting insights on um, – the ultimate destiny of Starbuck and uh, and how that came across and how the producers explained uh, where uh, where Starbuck ended up uh, at the end of the series. 
I thought one of my greatest moments, and I was in the same session I think that you saw her in, is was when when she walks out and 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 and, and Edward turns around and does the so say we all thing for her. Thing yeah. The greatest women of sci-fi was just a chilling moment to kind of hear that. In fact, I, I think I have that clip. I'll probably throw that in here so you can hear it. But that clip of them of him doing that. But it, it was arguably uh, she was probably one of the uh, one of the most interesting characters to hear talk about. But I think the other thing was she was also for us one of the most difficult characters to track down. Some actors at Shirley, like you know Edward James and. And Kevin Sorbo and Catherine Hicks were very accessible. Dominic Keating, they were always at their tables. You always could run up and talk to them. But Tori Higginson and, and Katie Sackhoff were, were not there uh, many times. And uh, you could find them if you went up to the bar because they were watching the uh, World Cup at the time, uh, which she, of course, mentioned. And they were mentioning throughout the, the, the session there. But she was very hard to get a hold of. Uh, we actually ended up interviewing her in the bar. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, in fact, it was so cool to uh, to go up to the bar. Uh, those on my, on my way out of the con, it was my last few moments at the con. I popped up at the bar to say goodbye to, goodbye to a few people, and there was Eddie Olmos and Katie Sackhoff just sitting there watching the game with um, you know with all of the uh, with all of the uh, con attendees just cheering, just like they were regular people. It was very very uh, very cool. Yeah, they had a couple of bottles of wine opened, and they were they were going at it. But it was very cool to see him in that sort of setting. Uh, it did make it hard to kind of get an interview with her, though. But we are going to bring you this short interview, and she does talk a little bit about Starbucks. She talks about some of the charities that she gets into. So, hey, we hope you enjoy this uh, short interview with Starbucks, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica. The reason I have hope, the great lady of all times. Yay! So say we It's this, it's this, this um, week-long trip 
and where you should go on a motorcycle. It's called like Motorcycle in America or something, and he outlays all the trips for you, and it sounds pretty interesting. So. And your motorcycling for charity is coming up soon. Yes, yeah, October 22nd to the 28th with Trisha Helper and anyone else who wants to come with us. Um, Miles is bike. No, you should. We're, you know, we're hoping to um, talk to the guys at Eagle Rider so people can, they don't have to do the whole ride. They could fly in, join us in Arizona and drop the bike off in Texas so they wouldn't have to bring anything but, you know, a backpack. Um, but the goal is that everyone who, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to cost yet, but that everyone who participates in the ride gives us some money and, and, you know, tries to raise as much money as they can on their own. And, you know, we'll give the money to the oil spill, you know, Trisha's husband and, and my, my ex are from New Orleans, and so we have a lot of family there. So it's, yeah, it's really, really affected everybody. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, if you actually look at the Exxon Valdez and realize that the people who work the spill developed so many health problems afterwards. So it scares me that um, it scares me that they're getting college kids to clean up this oil spill. Um, yeah, but you know, it's um, I think that this is a it's an environmental, it's social. You know, it's 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 an issue and a problem that we will not know the full extent of and for years to come. Right. Yeah. You know, and economical. You know, I, I, a lot of people are going to have to move from the Gulf that have worked and lived off the Gulf, um, and they're going to have to move inland and find new jobs. And you know, if, if we can't get this fixed, and, and getting it fixed is, is a huge problem. So I, I don't think it's something that we can even imagine what they're going to, to have to do to to reverse this. So. so Bionic Woman, 24, and Battlestar, these are all kind of genre sci-fi shows. What? Uh, you, Kate Baza! I know. I just, what happened? Uh, do, 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 do you have a draw to sci-fi, or is this sort of happening? I do. I do. You know, I grew up on it. Like I said, I, I'm not kidding when I said that, you know, my, my family grew up with two channels, and it was Star Trek or, you know, you know Oregon Public Broadcasting. So, you know, I, I grew up on sci-fi. The first movies my father showed me were Predators, Lost Boys, and Jaws. So, I mean, it's it, it's in my blood to do this. And I, and I love it. No, I was like five. My mom killed him. My sister, like, my we watched... Me, did yeah. No, we watched, like, Lost Boys. I'm so scared of the dark. I mean, like, it's just not... It's not... You don't do this to a child. But it was done to me, and it turned me into a sci-fi actor. So, you know. Right. Right. And it has. And I love it. You know, I absolutely love it. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to do something else when I enjoy it. Now, were you sad that Bionic Woman was cut short? And, no. No. You know, um, the Bionic Woman pilot was the highest rated and best pilot I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I think that had they been able to maintain that level of um, impressiveness... Um, throughout the entire series, it would have stayed on the air. And it would have been fun. I saw the pilot. The pilot was pretty good. The pilot was awesome. Yeah. Highest rated pilot of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was an amazing pilot. And um, it fell off. You know, and, and it's no one's fault. It just happens. It happens all the time. You know? So, it just is what it is. But... Yeah. 
PSG. Yeah. It did really well for you. So, when the game's back on. I was like, ah! <laughs> for sitting a few moments with us. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you. chatting with us. Um, I know we had you read a bumper earlier. Could you read another one real quickly? And then uh, we'll let you get back to the game. My boyfriend is Spanish. Oh, and then that's... Spanish and Cuban, so... So that's the interest in the world. Yeah, you know, you... Um, I grew up playing soccer. I played from the time I was three. My dad had me... When I say, you know, stop playing with the boys, the day I had to play for the all-girls soccer team, I was like 13 and I cried forever. And um, I might have been 12. I don't remember. Um, and so I, I grew up playing, you know, fell in love with a guy who grew up playing. And he's his family's from Spain. So, you you know, and he lived in Spain for years. So you end up, you know, you end up supporting your, your significant other. But at the same time, it, it's... Um, they're a fantastic team, and they deserve to win. Well, and they, and they become a part of you. Of course it does. Well, because it's a part of him, and when you right. live with someone, you're like, I guess it's a part of me now. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting with us. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you guys very much. Sorry that it's, I was running. Well, we were told that you were going to have a crazy schedule, so we didn't know if it was It's been crazy. This time. Well, it was crazy before I made them let me watch this game. We had to shuffle everything around, so I was like, you guys, I'm not missing this game. <laughs> So two days ago, I didn't know. You're my wife's hero. No. Thank you very much. You're welcome. No, right. I'll try to do the next character justice. No. <laughs> All right, thank you. Take care. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We are about ready to wrap up the show because Miles is getting ready to head out to his third shift job. So he's up all night. It's morning for him right now. Right, Miles? That's right. That's right. Uh, but before we go, John has his top five best bad sci-fi movies to watch. John, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, so everybody has these guilty pleasure movies, the ones that you love that might not necessarily be proud of, the movies that, you know, if they show up on cable, the remote goes down, and this is what you're watching, you know, your butt's in the chair, and that's it, no question. So uh, the top five best bad sci-fi movies, number five, you got to go with Dune. You know, it, it's not at all faithful to the original novel, but it stands on its own as a fantastic piece of film. David Lynch, known for... You know, crazy visuals and dreamy filmmaking style brought heavy hitter actors like Kyle MacLachlan, Jurgen Prochnow, Max von Sydow, Sean Young, even Patrick Stewart, and Sting as Fade Rautha. But, uh, you know, as a teenager in 1984, I, I, I hadn't read uh, the original Frank Herbert yet. To me, it was just spectacular. Even to this day, I still listen to the soundtrack by Toto. It's one of my go-to albums uh, to listen to at work. And if you ever get a chance and catch the three-and-a-half-hour Alan Smithy edit, um, check out the scene where Patrick Stewart uh, plays uh, plays the sitar as Gurney Halleck. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, from what I understand, he actually had to learn to play just for that scene, and it ended up on the cutting room floor. But uh, anyway, the number four best bad sci-fi movies, uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. I first heard about this movie when Marvel Comics started to advertise the comic ab uh, adaptation 
um, in the front page of the issues of X-Men that I used to read back when I was 14 years old. Uh, my friends and I in Boy Scouts were told we could form our own patrol, and while other patrols were called bears or cougars or tigers, we wanted to be the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Uh, but the troop leaders thought it was a little too weird, kind of sounded like a, a, a strange Asian gang. So we just went with Buckaroo Banzai instead. So we were the Buckaroo Banzai Patrol. Oh, so cool. I was in love with the movie before I even saw it. And to this day, the campiness uh, just just makes for a, a hellaciously good ride. Uh, number three, Starship Troopers. Again, not at all true to the original material, but a stupid amount of fun. I mean, I mean, come on. Neil Patrick Harris mind-melding with a brain bug. How awesome is that? Uh, the, the whole, um, you know, would you like to hear more uh, voiceover interstitials telling the story from the perspective of a well-meaning propaganda machine you know, it's just great. Uh, but to really enjoy this movie, you have to forgive, even the, even embrace the over-the-top violence, the gratuitous nudity. It's like a training movie for bad sci-fi. Learning to embrace the bad can make you appreciate movies like Starship Troopers at another level, other than sort of the superficial, hey, this is kind of kind of junky movie level. So uh, number two on my list of the top five best bad sci-fi movies is The Fifth Element. The great thing about the fifth element is that it recognizes that the future may not at all resemble what we think it will be today. I mean, if you just watch uh, old sci-fi serials from the 40s and 50s, their vision of the future were just basically high-tech versions of themselves. The culture was the same, just the technology was improved, uh, arguably. But what L director Luc Besson did was he knew that the future was going to be beautiful, uh, at the same time disgusting and utterly ridiculous. Uh, so uh, he got uh, together heavy hitter actors like Gary Oldman and Ian Holm, and blended them beautifully with the likes of Tommy Tiny Lister and Mila, jo Mila Jovovich. Of course, you know, teaming Bruce Willis and Chris Tucker is nothing short of genius. And how Besson and Tucker came up with the character Ruby Rod, I may never know, but it was absolutely amazing. Gorgeous photography, fun silliness makes this my number two best best bad sci-fi movie. It definitely and the number needs to be one, on there. But what's that? It definitely needs to be on there. Yeah. So. And the number one, uh, again, I'm not afraid of a, re of, a, of a redo, but the number one best bad sci-fi movie is Total Recall. Maybe I'm a 10-year-old at heart, but, you know, a huge number of my friends will still laugh if anybody yells, Get to the chopper! <laughs> or, uh, you know, pulls a great Arnold emote like, Yeah, yeah, yeah! And Total Recall is, is just chock full of classic Arnold. Mixed in with, you know, more of uh, the over-the-top violence and some really good sci-fi. I mean, you've got... Custom-made vacations injected directly into your brain, deep cover super spies, interplanetary conspiracies, alien technologies, mutants. It's brilliant. And at the end of the film, you're never really quite sure what was real and what wasn't. And that is damn good bad sci-fi. And that makes Total Recall my number one. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, uh, that is a great sci-fi five list, and I appreciate you bringing that to us. And a Thanks. great arm impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. I couldn't do that. Get to the chopper. <laughs> oh, and those are some great lines too from those movies. Well, we got to get out of here. Thanks so much for sharing your sci-fi five and five. And if any of you listening want to share your sci-fi five and five, we'd be happy to read them on the show. Or if you want to call and leave an audio clip, you can do so. You can call in at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, or email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail dot com, and uh, send us your audio clip uh, with you sharing your sci-fi five and five. And we would love to play them on the show. We already have two that we'll be uh, sharing down the pike sometime here. And uh, but we love them more. We love to have people contributing. 
we got to get Miles out of here into his job. Miles, how can people find out about you, where to find you on Twitter, et cetera? Uh, I am Son of Wharf at Twitter, and I'm also I also have a Trek Space account. I'm Son of Wharf at Trek Space. Right, and um, and you can find out he also kind of runs our Facebook fan page as well, so you can check that out. How about Very you, well. John? Go ahead. You can check me out at Twitter at uh, Frage. Uh, that's F R A I Z E. Follow me, and I'll follow you back. Yeah, you notice I've been avoiding saying that the whole night because I can't say it. Frage. That's okay. Frage. That's okay. Frage. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to go into vocal training to say that last name. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, Hertzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, or the Sci-Fi Diner on Twitter. You can obviously find out more about the podcast and get more on the show notes that you'll get in the show, including trailers and whatnot, at, and in links to Think Geek and everything will be in there. And uh, that's, of course, at Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com. And I'll give you all sorts of ways to contact us, support us. And we'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And we hope the show didn't go too long for you. Miles, why don't you take it away and wrap us up? Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you. There must be some way out of here. Set the joker to the feet. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine. I'm in